And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, everybody working up. Everybody's working. With that time, yours. It is still extremely weird to even have to say the phrase the Kansas City Chiefs are back up to 500 because that's still pretty unfamiliar territory. But it was nice to have a football game that at least felt something bordering along normal. And that's what we'll talk about here today on this edition of Times Ours. I'm Joshua Briscoe with Nate Taylor and Seth Kaiser. And this podcast is brought to you by DirecTV Stream. Get your TV together with the best of live and on demand. Learn more at DirectTV.com. Guys, the Chiefs won a football game. They did, in fact, win another one. They were not going to lose. Every game the rest of the year, this was not going to be a 1-16 team. And uh, the Philadelphia Eagles, on the other side of it, Andy Reid wins his 100th game as the head coach against uh, of the Chiefs against his old team, the Philadelphia Eagles, becoming the first head coach in NFL history to win 100 games with two separate franchises. That was pretty cool. Patrick Mahomes threw five touchdown passes. That was pretty cool. And I'm also resisting the urge to start the show by talking about the defense. So a pretty eventful thing, all, all things considered. Yeah, and can we just acknowledge for a second, Josh, that um, you just said Patrick Mahomes threw for for how many how many touchdowns was it? That would be let's see, uno, dos, tres, cuatro, cinco. Cinco is five in another language. I'm gonna see if I can find five in other languages. Yeah, I just want everybody to realize we live in a world we have been desensitized to a quarterback throwing five touchdowns. Five, fünf, fem, kink. The quarterback Quink. that you Quink. root Cinco. for Cinc. threw Quinque. five touchdowns, and everybody was just like, yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, just move it along. About that defense, though. So, Pente. Uh, pump, Visi. It was also great to have <laughs> Andy Reid, uh, you know, going through the normal routine after the game. Um, he made NFL history. On Sunday, becoming the first coach to, and I'm sure people have heard this already, um, win 100 games, including the postseason, with two different NFL franchises. Uh, that is longevity and excellence uh, kind of all wrapped together. But, yeah, Patrick Mahomes threw five touchdowns, and it's just it's just a Sunday in October, y'all. <laughs> it... Patrick Mahomes is on pace to throw for more yards and more touchdowns than he did in 2018. Mm-hmm. Doesn't seem right. That's, that doesn't seem And possible. he's doing it, like, quietly. Yeah. Like, people are like, and that's the thing, because one, one of the things I've seen people talk about commonly is, ah, you know, Mahomes kind of needs to get it together. Because he's thrown a couple of bad picks. Mm-hmm. And that's been a bummer. And that's been unusual. But in the meantime, he's just like... Setting defenses on fire. <laughs> and 
no one really noticed like what they did to the Eagles defense, which, you know, the Eagles had a really bad outing against the Cowboys, but something that's worth noting, the Eagles front four is good. Mm-hmm. Like pretty good. Like, like they have Fletcher Cox good, but like they also, I mean, they're, they're, they're a good overall line. Yeah, and Javon Har- Hargrove is, you know, he's a guy. Yeah. He, he can play. He's, he he's a dude. Him. Yeah. He's mm-hmm. a dude. And what the Chiefs did to them, honestly, and you notice I'm going to ignore the defense, and you can't make me talk oh. about it. We'll, um, we're going to – I do think we should start by talking about the offense and the fun stuff. I think that's okay. more yes. – I think that's I – mean, I think that's more on it, Sure. Well, it, it, there's a reason that was the first thing I wrote about. Um, and obviously, you know, waiting for the All-22, one of the easier things to write about stuff that involves line play. But, like, what we're currently seeing – um, and this is the first thing I wrote about because I was just, I realized that, man, they, they're really cooking teams and like, it's kind of fallen under the radar because, you know, they had all those turnovers last week and then they lost at the last second against Baltimore. Like if you, but they, they've just been really rarely stopped. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's where I kind of like started to really look at that. You know, and I wrote about this Chief North newsletter, you know, bit.ly slash Seth really hates money. You should all subscribe. Anyway, the Chiefs are currently averaging 3.63 points per drive. Now, if that's like just some number to you, they averaged 3.25 in 2018, which is like one of the top three or four offenses in history. Mm -hmm. They are on a caliente. Just, (laughs) I mean... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they are. I, I I don't I don't know words. So they're in fuego. They are in fuego. They are. I mean, they really are. They're impossible to stop. And no one really noticed like against the Eagles because it was just like it was like watching someone get beaten to death with a wiffle ball bat. <laughs> it takes forever. But man, does it do the job. They scored on every single drive that mattered. You know, they kneeled down the end of the game, and except Mahomes threw one pick. Mm-hmm. Oh, by the way, uh, by the way, uh, one of the rare NFL games, uh, which you can count on one hand, y'all, where neither team punted. And I'm not talking about the no punt game because that doesn't include it because it, it was it was a postseason game. But in the regular mm-hmm. season, I believe this was the fourth occasion where yeah. neither team punted. I was shocked that the number was that low. I didn't think about it too hard. If you would have asked me, I would have said, I don't know. I bet that happens maybe two or three times a year. But it's also because I've been watching the Chiefs for too long. Right <laughs> yeah. <now. laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Chiefs have been cursed with some really bad defenses Look, on the times they've had good offenses. D- Dustin Colquitt earned a lot of money not yes. doing the same amount of work in 2018. Yeah. <laughs> but he actually did do some work. He 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 did most of his work pre two thousand eighteen. Yes, the the two thousand eighteen and nineteen that was like post. That was that was like you know benefits. You know once you're started on your way out at a company, you know it's like we're gonna put you up in the corner office with a cushy job. Kinda. Did you guys see that he's he's back by the way though that he's on the Fal- the Falcons signed into their active roster. I forgot mm-hmm. he was on their practice squad. I did not know that. Yeah, oh, I, you didn't know that. No, oh, a few hours ago. Yeah, I mean. Just a one, a great individual. Uh, two, kind of had a conversation with Dustin Colquitt a few weeks ago. Oh, wait, oh. oh, indeed. And uh, what I told him was, "Hey, man, if they out here calling you, keep putting." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> and guess what always, he's doing, y'all? He's putting. I've always thought that punter was the best job. 
on the oh, field. Oh, yeah. Everyone Absolutely. always says kicker. No, 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 no. So much pressure. Much pressure. So <laughs> much way pressure. too much pressure. <laughs> just way too much. Whereas as a punter, like, you can just be average, and fans aren't going to love you. They're not going to hate you. But they might even love you if you've got, like, a colorful personality. Like, or just good hair. I don't really know anything about Tommy Townsend, but he's got great hair. <laughs> well, he also is bored right now. Um <laughs> But I mean, so with the offense, I I really want to talk about because so Josh, you and I, it's kind of funny, like over the last two years, I've kind of become like somehow this foil for the idea of running the ball, even though I think the Chiefs should pass the ball like 85% of the time. Yeah. And we've. We've had to do that because otherwise the podcast doesn't work, right? Like, Probably. we can't just sit here and nod and agree. Right. Like, we could, but it would be boring. That's that's why Ryan Tracy and I are always so boring to get kidding, Ryan. I love you, man. Um, <laughs> Ryan, that, Ryan's not listening. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's be Yeah, Ryan doesn't Come care on. what I say on this. He barely cares what I say on his show. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> man, that, that took a left turn there. So the the interesting thing to me is they finally had a game where, like, that ideal, like the one time it makes sense to run the ball a lot happened. Yeah. And so I wrote about it. And now what I'm so afraid of is now people are going to lump me in with the, well, you know, it's like we've been saying, you know, you got to, you got to establish the run. It's like, no, 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 no. That's not what happened here. They didn't need to establish the run. So I'm curious what you think of all this. All, all you're saying is, uh, and let me find the paragraph here shortly, but but you're saying someone's going to screen grab this and just throw uh-huh. it in your face for they are and for the like, for the for the rest of this football season. Yeah, it's oh, they should run I, the ball more. It's like well, it depends. So here's here's the thing that is really confusing to me about just my own sort of hashtag brand at this point. <laughs> I I grew up watching Priest Holmes and Larry Johnson and Jamal Charles and mm-hmm. like watching them, watching and, them and, 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 and Chris, some. And Christian Okoye. Well, yeah, Josh man. didn't grow up watching that. Well, I was, well, and I, I, we, I probably had a brief, a brief overlap, but it wasn't, it wasn't quite as long. My, my, yes. my, my gr- growing up here, my first, my first jersey was a Christian Okoye jersey. Well, um, as it should be. Cause it was, it was part of a Halloween costume. And then ladies and gentlemen, that's when I learned the NFL means not for long. <laughs> oh, yeah. Indeed. It, because Dude, it, Christian Aquay wasn't on the team next year. Oh, I think we had this. We might have had this conversation at one point, but he had a shockingly short run of like. Excellent play. He, mm-hmm. he, he went 1,400 yards, 800 yards, 1,000 yards, 448, and then out of the league. Like, yeah, he had three great years. Anyway. Not, not for long, y'all. Not for long. Um, but I, you know, I, I grew up not only watching that, but also the offensive lines in front of those running backs were like a quintessential part of my football watching experience. And so whenever my frustration ends up not even being about the running game as much anymore, but about the, about how people value individual running backs, that's where all the Clyde stuff happened. That's why there's a taser bet that is also like, so up in the air right now, like it's it's going to be very hard for me to get. They it's not did, happening, Josh. I ha- here's the thing is that I feel like it eventually has to happen, but also even I can acknowledge the fact that they had to come in and do extra checks on my heart because they thought I might have had a heart attack at one point. Yeah, Josh, Josh. So let, let, can, let's just let, ta- let. But I don't, my heart's not in my leg, you know? You can tase my leg. I, look, I'm going to disappoint our readers here and then we'll get right back to it. This is a podcast. To the, to the offense of the running you don't, you don't read a podcast. 
I'm going to disappoint our readers, and I don't care what you think about it. I, <laughs> I went, no, Ru- I, uh, I, listeners. Ru- Rudy, my, Rudy made this point to me, the beloved Rudy Salazar, made this point to me and said, man, I wish you would have had to have gotten defibrillated just so that could have been it. Because that I think people could have given me, right? Yeah. If I, I had to get I, I've already, defibrillated, then maybe. But. I've, I've already told people on Twitter, Josh, there's no scenario in which I do that at this point. I, I guess I, I'll I, just, yeah, I mean, I get you it. You can do it to yourself I, if you want, and I, I'll, um, I'll be kind of mad at you if you do, because I think you should you should take care of your health. I'll still eat the ghost pepper. I think... Um, well, okay, you know. hold on. I have two I have two things, two thoughts. One, first of all, maybe I just maybe I just commit a crime and get tased, and then you can defend me in court. The the second thing that that would not be doing. You know, I I want you to have an approach, Josh, of taking what the defense gives you. And, and <laughs> oh gosh, being a criminal and getting tased is that's throwing in the triple coverage. Okay, we don't I mean, yeah, we true. don't need that. It's true. Keep well, so the other thing, the ball. And at some point, maybe a taser will be involved. That's yeah. sort of where I'm at. I think I definitely think that we can't. We probably it's it's going to have to hang out for a while still because I definitely don't want to do it whenever we're still not totally sure how my heart is doing. I think that's fair. Here's the thing, though. At one point, didn't we? I think I I think that we discussed what if we just switched, and now that seems even more up in the air. As like I could definitely eat a ghost pepper and it would be fine. Um. <laughs> And then I could tase you, and that sounds like fun. But I think we just—I think we might have decided that I would rather get tased, and you would rather eat the pepper still, anyway. So I—I I don't know. Well, yeah, it's probably at least going to snooze it even longer, which is really annoying because we could have—we should have done it in December. The good news, or we should have done it. We—we we, we were going to try to do it in November, I think. Now the good news is if we would have done it in the first week of September, that could have gone ungood. That could have been bad. So that was probably because of. My body's issues had already begun, and they were were pretty advanced at that point. So it's good that we didn't do it when you were in town last. I can I can at yes. least admit that. Yes, and I'm glad. But anyway, I I I I feel bad, kind of hijacking it just to make that clear to everyone. But that it's not I, gonna I, happen imminently, but that it totally will someday. Still, <clears throat> uh huh. Okay. So. I, I just it is interesting to me because like you said, the, the primary conversation for you is how running backs, you know, are valued individually, whereas there's not a ton of individual value there outside of a couple of examples in well, all of history. And in your in your most recent piece that you mentioned in the Chief in the North newsletter, mnchiefsfan.substack.com, um, <laughs> you 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 get to something that I that as I was reading, I was like, oh well, this is great. I'll just bring this up on the podcast because I think this is this is basically a perfect summary of of what kind of my my argument would be. And one and one thing to make clear that we're all on the same page on some of these teams that are out here running the ball for three and a half yards per carry and then running it. 25 times and then and throwing it for eight yards per attempt i'm assuming these are some giants adjacent stats i'm just making them up but it seems it feels like the giants right now yeah it sounds Um, about right you you should you should be throwing the football way way more you team that is running the ball just for the sake of establishing it you know i'm putting in giant air quotes because that's a bunch of nonsense 
But if you have a defense that's playing all this too high the Chiefs are facing, and you're able to run the ball for six or seven yards per carry, yeah. and you can do it, and I would rather them do it in non-obvious running situations. I, I even wish the Chiefs would throw the ball more on first down, because every for time sure. they're on first down, it stresses me out, even though I think they probably have a better first down pass rate than almost everybody else in the league. I'd just like to see them push that even more. But if you can run the ball super effectively as a response to a defense that is overreaching to cheat towards the pass, as you laid out, I have no issue with that at all. The other thing, though, and the thing that popped out for me from your story is your explanation about how the Chiefs struggled so much running the ball last year and how good they've looked doing it at times this year. It's yeah. because it's because they uprooted and laid down a completely new offensive line. It, it maybe maybe Clyde edwards Elaire has gotten a little bit. Maybe his vision has improved in year two or whatever. But those changes have very 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 little to do with Clyde and ninety percent, ninety five percent to do with this, the offensive line and then the scheme that is playing to that offensive line strengths. And that's kind of my whole argument about running backs is that. Uh, you know, Daryl Williams ran the ball pretty well, and I, and I think Clyde is a more talented back than Daryl Williams is. Um, and if Jarek McKinnon ended up, if Clyde misses a couple of games, because playing running back in the NFL is really hard, if Jarek McKinnon ends up getting the bulk of the carries for a couple games, I bet he'd look pretty good back there as well. That's sort of the crux of it for me, but I have no problem with him running the ball for, you know, a, a handful of times at a six or seven yard per carry clip. That's fine by me, as long as they're still throwing it the vast majority of the time. Yeah, that's reasonable. I think that's I think that seems very very reasonable. And I think that's really where a lot of people should land in terms of the run game and that's the one thing that you always face is this fear at least for me that people are going to read the wrong thing into the right idea. And so the Chiefs offense looks just unstoppable right now in a very real way that they haven't since stretches of 2018. Right. And part of that, and the only way they can really be stopped is if they turn the ball. Over. And even when they turn the ball over a ton, they're still hanging 30 on teams. Like if you turn the ball over four times, five times, four times, four, four times. times, four times. And, and you're still, still still scoring 24 points in a uh, non overtime game. Yeah, they just just complete and one. And then I think they scored that on like four straight drives, right? Mm-hmm. It was like they, they put those those 24 up. But I mean, they're still putting up points. And so the, it's just so interesting the way it occurred with the Eagles, kind of what you referenced is, you know, schematically, what can we do to punish teams for what they're attempting to do? And that's not something they were really able to do successfully last year. And like you said, that's more about the offensive line and scheme change. Because I, the more I watch, even now with the current line, the more I think some of this inside-outside zone stuff is not particularly suited for not just the guys that they have, but for the situation that they're in. Because when you're trying to get to a spot and you've got a defensive lineman who's trying to do nothing but penetrate because he assumes he's rushing the passer, that's problematic. Whereas if you're just blowing guys off the ball, that's a little bit, it's a little bit simpler, right? Like guys, like defensive tackles, you are either trying to rush the passer or you are trying to be stout against the run, right? Mm-hmm. You, you, you can't be both at once. If you're trying to two gap, you are not going to get any pass rush by uh, and large. Uh, 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 his, his name is Aaron Donald. 
Unless you're Aaron Donald. Then you can do whatever you want. <laughs> yeah, at that point, laws don't even fully apply to you. Like, it's, you're Aaron Donald, yeah. it's fine. Yeah, yeah. Aaron Donald can do that. But very few very few pass rushers yes. can transition that very quickly. Correct. And it's fun to watch, like, just them them starting to almost stumble upon the formula where it's like, well, here's the deal. We're going to line up. We're going to have, you know, four receivers, one of them being Travis Kelsey. And we're going to be spread out. We're going to have a runner in the backfield. And we're going to see what kind of box they give us. And if they've got six guys in that box, we're going to run it down their throat. And because they've only because of where the guys are laid out, we know that we've got double teams along the interior that are going to plow them backwards five yards. And we know we're going to get five yards at least, right? Mm-hmm. And if they're doing something a little different, okay, well, Clyde, why don't you... Go out wide where we're still not utilizing you to your fullest potential on routes, but I'm not going to go down that road right now because mm. it's making me mad. But then, then then now what you have is an, a line that they seem to trust to do empty sets against these same defensive looks because we think, okay, they're only going to rush four because they can't do anything more than that because we've got five guys running routes. Mm-hmm. And, and as we've said before, blitzing Patrick Mahomes is a terrible idea. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work. <laughs> and so they, they found this, to me, in some ways kind of scheme-proof ideology that the only way I can see to break that up is to bring an inordinate amount of talent in your five-man pass rush that is at the same time really good against the run with those same four guys. That's hard to find. Yeah. And so it was, and plus, let's be honest. I mean, and people think that having these conversations about the run game not being as valuable as the pass game, think it means that I don't enjoy the run game. I got to tell you, I think I called it beautiful carnage. Yes. It is really fun because, and I, I can't remember the last time we saw this since like the 0304 type stuff, right? It is really fun watching on like third and one, your line blow them backwards like five yards. That's cool. And so I'm having fun. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> what do you think, Nate? It's been kind of the Josh and Seth so, so show so far. So why don't you why don't you make sure we still have listeners? Look, I'm I'm enjoying this just like everybody else. Um, <laughs> in, in terms of the offense, I, I would mention two things. Um, it's it's been wild to again, as I mentioned earlier, Patrick Mahomes has five touchdowns, and it's like, yep, Expect- <laughs> expectations met. Okay. Mm-hmm. But in 2018, what was so fun was, like, understanding that, like, we all were kind of ahead of the curve when it's just like, okay, I know you do what you do. I know I know this cover three is hot in the streets right now. And that single high, no, baby, that ain't going to work. <laughs> like, no. And so, you know, I would watch teams like the Arizona Cardinals, who were very good in 2018, run single high safety against, as Seth alluded to earlier, one of the most dominant offenses in all the league. So now, just like anything, things evolve, things change over time. Guys, I just want to acknowledge that, and I think I put this on Twitter, we've gone from single high is the dumbest thing, don't do that, don't ever do that, to I believe at some point, I believe it was in the first half, 
the Chiefs had the ball at the 15-yard line, at the Eagles' 15-yard line. We are we are in the red zone. We've been marching this thing. Uh, and the Eagles were like, both them safeties need to be in the end zone. Yeah, but, but I saw you, you tweet about that, I think, too, right? But yeah. You, but you only covered 15 yards. Yeah. yeah both, both of them safeties, they, they, they you know what, needs to be in that green painted area. It's crazy. And it was just, it's crazy <laughs> to me. Um, and so, yeah, the Chiefs are slowly starting to figure out how to attack this sort of version of defense that's been presented to them. Uh, there was, you know, remember the fun times, ladies and gentlemen, when we, when everybody was like, oh my God, the Colts ran man coverage and got away with it. Mostly because Patrick <laughs> Mahomes was on a bum ankle and the offensive line was not as good. It was kind of in flux at, at around that time too. But like, they've got to put more man beaters in. And then they man beat everybody to death the rest of the year. <laughs> so, so you go from cover three to, okay, maybe we blitz them. To, all right, maybe we run some zone looks that are man after the ball is snapped to like, you know what? Don't blitz this man. Throw everybody back. They at the 15-yard line? No, that safety cannot. Don't you dare move. But, 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 sir, I'm only covering 15. Mm-mm. No, nah, baby. Yeah, don't you, don't you nah. move. So, on the play, I believe, uh, the Chiefs threw a very quick short pass. It got them closer to the goal line. And... The second thing I want to mention in all of this is, yes, Tyreek Hill was excellent yesterday. As I wrote on Twitter, he was exquisite. He was he was excellent. 11 catches on 12 targets. That's, guys, that's really hard to do. Um, yeah. But one of, the, one of the things you learn, and I appreciate Patrick telling me this, along with Clyde after the game, was Travis Kelsey was a decoy. And he was one of the more dominant players on the field yesterday. Mm-hmm. And I just I, I just hope people understand that not only is he a Hall of Fame player, not only is he great, um, obviously when they gave him touches, he was clearly highly effective. Um, but this leads me to my to my conclusion, ladies and gentlemen, which is Travis Kelsey is such a Hall of Fame player. He is the Roy Kent on this roster, <laughs> but he's not at the twilight of Roy Kent. He's designing plays yeah. to get Jody Fortson touchdowns. And thank you for I'm I am ashamed at the 25 minute mark of this podcast. We no, it was it was said- a, it was it was a nice it was a nice build. It was a nice build. We 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 gave people the imagination and now we're here. Go Here's ahead. Little- Go ahead, Josh. There's a slight chill in the air. Mm. This morning I wore I wore a light hoodie outside. It was wonderful. I've I've seen a few leaves turning red. I've seen a few on the ground. Yes. Yes. We're in we're in week 4 fully in the the jaws of the NFL season. Uh, Halloween's just around the corner. Thanksgiving just after that. We are here in what is truly the most beautiful time of the year. And I do not mean the early days of fall. I mean Jody Fort <laughs> season. <laughs> Two touchdowns. Two touchdowns in 4 weeks. Are you kidding me? So Even, look, I mean, my wildest dreams, my wildest <laughs> dreams for touchdown, two touchdowns in four weeks. Hey, the Chargers, maybe they listen to this podcast. Hey, the Eagles, they understand it too. Hey, y'all, we in the red zone. Who is the indicator? Who's the guy we really look at? 87. 
87 is the first read. Oh, God, they've used that against us now. Because yes. Jody Force is catching touchdown passes. <laughs> yes. Because everybody is looking at 87. And um, let me tell you, even I was fooled in the press box. Because I pointed to Herbie Teofi, who was sitting next to me. And I was like, <laughs> look at what is Travis doing? Oh, God, it's a touchdown. And so, so you're not really supposed to laugh in a press box, but um, laughter ensued because, look, say it, Seth. What does Jody <laughs> Fortson do? All Jordy for Jordy. <laughs> we're Man, back. You gave we're back you gave me such a perfect lead in, and I blew it. Clear. You can clear your throat. You can clear your throat if you need. Well, <laughs> here's what I'll tell you. So right now, you know, only only four quarterbacks all time have thrown for at least 500 touchdowns. Mm-hmm. And Patrick Mahomes is going to play in a world with 17 and probably very soon 18, 18. games mm-hmm. in it. Um, in an offense that, you know, with Andy Reid and then whoever takes over after Andy Reid, you know, 10 years from now, whenever he finally hangs it up, they're always going to throw the football a whole lot. And Jody Fortson is going to have at least two of Patrick Mahomes's touchdown passes, he will be on the graphic whenever yeah. that gets tweeted out. And I, I, I want to make sure everyone understands that this is not in any way sarcastic or tongue in cheek or anything. That makes me so happy because it's it's genuinely like one of the one of the coolest little stories in football in terms of a guy's journey to catching touchdown passes from Patrick Mahomes. With a pretty legitimate role on this team, he's yeah. he's been active and catching touchdowns, and uh, it just makes me happy because it's something that we like. It, it because we in in the the earliest days of this podcast, whenever we almost called we at least once called him Jody Foster, completely by accident. You know, sometimes the scouts have to look at at the at the prospect <laughs> more than once. You know. And it's paid off. Like it we've, is gotten, paid we've, off. we've gotten the payoff of it in the form of touchdowns. It's just, I just, I, I just think it's spectacular. It just makes me genuinely so very happy. It's such a great story. In in five years, uh, Demetrius Harris was a member of the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, Demetrius Harris was sort of a benchmark player for people who were like, "Yes, can we get somebody better than this man?" But at the same time, like. I mean, he kind of makes some ridiculous catches, you know, mm-hmm. but the easy ones. <laughs> uh, <it's, laughs> in 71 games, Demetrius Harris, as a member of the Chiefs, uh, caught five, or excuse me, six receiving touchdowns. In three games, ladies and gentlemen, Jody Fortson has already caught two. I mean, it's just, it's just wonderful. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Do you guys? Do you guys want to talk about the defense? Some. I feel like we gave the offense plenty of shine, and and also here's the here's the thing now. Uh, Sunday night football next week. Chiefs Bills. <laughs> they played the Texans last week. So I mean, or yesterday. God, it's Monday. Uh, they they played they played the Texans yesterday. So take it for what you will. Uh, but forty to nothing is always a striking thing to see on a scoreboard, even whenever um, off-brand Mike Glennon is playing quarterback for the opposing <laughs> team. Uh, so. You know, I, I'm going to give the Bills credit as they stand there. Uh, they they lost to the Steelers out of the gate, which is something I'd like to keep in mind as we talk about Buffalo. But they shut out and obliterated the Dolphins. They obliterated Washington. They obliterated the Texans. I don't know exactly how good they are, but I do know that, that Josh Allen would do plenty of very bad things to the version of the defense that we saw on Sunday. Uh, Nate, you were there. You tell me what stood out to you yesterday, and then Seth, you can go after Nate. There's, by the way, the reason why this, this the Steelers beat the Bills is because T.J. Watt is great at football, um, and then subsequently he got hurt, and so, like, the Steelers don't really matter anymore. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, Steelers, one of those weird teams where their best player plays on defense. Um, I mean, the, the Chiefs, I mean, the Chiefs have Frank Clark. Like, I mean, I think he's probably yeah. his contract's like a very similar size. I would think that mm-hmm. probably is almost as good as TJ Watt, I think. I don't, I don't care. I wouldn't know for sure, but. So people are. I'm going to mute my microphone. I'm just going to, I'm just going to step away. (laughs) People have summoned me 
on Twitter.com, and there was an interesting discussion yesterday because we are through what used to be a quarter of the season until they mm. stopped making this season even numbered. Anyway, <laughs> as we reach the the just under a quarter of the season, um, it was fascinating to think in real time very quickly at halftime. What is salvageable about this defense? Are are we already just putting it in the 2018 category? Mm. And on the short end of it, I thought, no. Um, Chris Jones is really good, albeit he might be playing at a position where he is least dominant compared mm. to his previous production. Who's going to tell him? Uh, <laughs> well, you know. Don't sign me up for that job. Frank Clark needs to be on the field mm. consistently. Um, Tyron Matthew is better than anybody that they had out there in that secondary in 2018. Mm-hmm. Here lies the problem, children. Oh boy. Uh, Zach Ertz can outrun Anthony Hitchens. Um, The perimeter of the field is always open because... Unfortunately, Ben Neiman, um, we know his limitations. Mm-hmm. Uh, there has been one game of Frank Clark so far. Uh, I'm saying this in the most appropriate manner. The defensive player we talked to as a collective media core on Friday was Mike Dana. The one defensive player we talked to as a collective media group after Sunday's game was Mike Dana. Oof. Mike Dana can't be out here representing the Chiefs defense. Mm-hmm. That's that's not his job. Now, he is playing with consistent effort. His tenacity shows through. Yes, he had two sacks on Jalen Hurts. One of them was irrelevant. One of them was actually relevant. Um, when I went back and watched the game. Uh, I tend to agree with Eric Eager that Dan Sorensen might be the worst defensive starter in the league. This is just... This can be equated out statistically and with your eyes tell you. Um, So, as I thought about this more, I began to realize... They might be closer to 2018 than I first thought, and I'm interested in what you two think. But also, fellas, we're asking Willie Gay to be a savior. Yeah. And that is wild on yeah. our Lord's October 4th, 2021. Like, Willie Gay is going to make or break this defense. What? Uh, Seth, I was going to let you go next, but oh, you yeah. had a response. You had yeah. a response to this thing that I want to bring up. And so I, I'd like for you to bring that to the table after, if I can lay this out first. Yeah. And and this is something that I, I am, as we often are on this show, we try to admit what we're afraid to say in order to, to just don't want to, I, I don't want to um presume this without knowing what is going on over the course of the week 
what is going on in the defensive, you know, semi huddles or whatever as the calls are coming in and everything. But I, I had seen this with my eyes. And then I saw lots of people whose eyes I trust more than mine. I think both of you guys included on this front saying the same thing, which is for me what stands out the most. It's not that the, that the defense is not particularly fast, uh, not particularly physical, doesn't seem particularly talented in the grand NFL scheme of things um, at any particular unit. I don't know if there's anything that they do particularly well right now, and that could change over time. But as of this moment, but the, the 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 thing that's most stark to me is how damn disorganized everything looks all the time. It, it just and and Sam Mellinger pointed this out on Twitter, which is another another time that I thought, you know what, I feel like I I'm my eyes are not lying to me here. Where he said sometimes it's before the snap and sometimes it's after the snap, but there are miscommunications everywhere. There's confusion all the time. And the thing that, that stands out to me was something I asked Spags about a couple weeks ago whenever Matthew would come back from, from the COVID list. And I asked him, you know, um, it, it, have you coached guys in your career that have had a, that have as big of an impact on the rest of your unit as Tyron Matthew does? And he mentioned somebody from, from his New York days. And he also said that Hitchens, and thank you, I, I couldn't remember who it was. So he said Antonio Pierce. And he said also Hitch is one of those guys. I don't I just I I don't think that that's untrue about about Matthew and Hitchens doing a ton of alignment and trying to get guys on the same page and everything. But if you have both of those guys and everything looks as bad as it does in terms of pre-snap, post-snap, all of the communication, something feels deeply broken about the Chiefs defense particularly because as you pointed out Seth and I'll let you tell me what you think of all of this but this this isn't like a Steve Spagnolo defensive hallmark I mean whenever he got to Kansas City one of the big selling points and and some of the players that were here for Bob Sutton also here whenever Spags got to town talked about how much like simpler the defense was to learn and how they were more comfortable and there was more there was less processing in real time and more reading and reacting and stuff that really felt like a breath of fresh air and it feels like that's not there anymore that that no longer seems true so Nate Nate sounds like he agrees Seth what do you think so I've seen I, I've seen a few people talking about Spagnolo's defensive concepts and how they gradually get more complicated by by the year. Mm-hmm. And maybe we're seeing that. I have no idea. That that's my working theory. I'll say that. Is that my, my working theory is that in year three, there there is some there has been some jump in terms of he, what he wants to he, be able to accomplish schematically. That is right. that has become too much for his personnel. That's sort of a right again loose well, it, working theory. It's, it's tough to separate personnel from scheme, mm-hmm. and it's worth noting in terms of some of the miscommunications and stuff. You know, you you did have a lot of snaps going to guys that have not been around for as long, mm-hmm. right? Like, turns out maybe Charvarius Ward and Rashad Fenton are important. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's true. Lot of the corners, um, Nick Bolton, Kando was getting more work before he got hurt. Yeah, and so it's just tough to say, but I do agree that it's weird seeing it, especially with all the credit that's given to Matthew and Hitchens. Um, it's weird to see this level of miscommunication because, you know, it's not just uh, blown coverages, but we're seeing that. But it's just like you've got guys, you know, the number of times I've seen a safety get re- or a, a tight end 
get released by a safety on a rollout and no one pick up that tight end and mm-hmm. that tight end get picked, get, get hit for like a 15-yard gain with no one around him. I bet I bet we've seen that a half dozen times in four games. And that's weird. And so I think it's hard for me to hit the panic button on this defense because the things they're struggling with are things they've done well the last couple of years. Um, so that I just like, kind of keep waiting for that to be like, you know, like, like when the first three or four drives against the Chargers – when the defense suddenly was, looked like it was flying all over the field again, kind of, I mean, I was like, okay, we've kind of snapped back a little more to reality of a, of an adequate defense that plays hard and doesn't make stupid plays. And then they had some dumber plays in the second half, but that's still, that Chargers game honestly felt like, in a weird way, a bounce back game for the defense. Yeah. Um, and and I had, didn't talk about it much because of all the turnovers and they really should have gotten some stops. But it's worth noting that we did have a point in the Chargers game where, you know, the the, the Chiefs offense got the ball back with a lead the, with the ability to kind of put it away. You'll take that 100% of the time with this team. Right. And and, and they, they made a few stops that give them the opportunity to come back with a tie game too. You know, against Baltimore, the Chiefs offense got the ball back with an 11-point lead opportunity to put away. Now, this is a completely unfair um, weighted analysis, right? Mm-hmm. Because basically it's like you gauge the offense on the one drive it failed. That's not fair. Mm-hmm. You know, and then, and then you gauge the defense on the one or two drives they succeeded. Definitely not fair. But against the Chargers, a really, <coughs> what is wrong with my throat? As long as your computer stays um, connected, I'm cool. A really good offensive team. Overall, I thought they played a lot better. And then watching the just the bottom fallout against the Eagles, like that's the worst they've played all year defensively by far. Because like it's one thing like when it's like Lamar Jackson making guys miss a bunch of times, Mm -hmm. you know, that looks ugly and it's unfortunate, but it's like, ah, Lamar does that to everyone. But like Jalen Hurts was like carving them up. I think he threw for 400 yards. Uh, I'll tell you directly here. He threw for a lot. <clears throat> and 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 one of those drives, two of those drives really didn't matter that much. But still, it's just weird the number of times you're seeing guys completely uncovered. 387, about 100 more than Mahomes did, which is crazy. And Yeah, it's just crazy to me. And so one thing that I noticed against the Eagles, that low-key and very low-key, like they were talking a lot about how great a job the offensive line was doing holding up. Low-key... The pass rush was getting there. Mm -hmm. It's just the ball was coming out. It was like 2018 all over again, which (laughs) is, you know, that same reference that we make where they had a good pass rush in 2018, a really good pass rush. D Ford was healthy all year. Justin Houston played, had a good year. Chris Jones was already great. That's a great trio. The problem was the coverages were just so bad that the ball kept coming out especially against even decent quarterbacks or good game plans, the ball just kept coming out over and over and over again in under two seconds or two and a half seconds. That's what happened a lot against the Eagles where there were snaps where I would see Jones getting pressure, right? He abused that right tackle, multiple snaps. And it just didn't matter because the ball was coming out. Mm. And that's where I'm concerned just because you see all these blown coverages and what we've seen Spagnuolo's secondary do is overachieve over the last three years. Mm-hmm. And so to see that just kind of get flipped on its head, I, I don't know. It's weird. The whole Juan Thornhill subplot is weird. Their insistence on trotting out Sorensen, who looks cooked at yeah. this point. And, and, and he, 
<clears throat> again, to clear my throat, he gets blamed for things that aren't always his fault. But he does not even look like as fast as he was last year. And he's not tackling as well either. And he he gets actively picked on at this point. And that's a problem. And the way to solve that to me and I've been talking for a while, so I'll hand this back over like on kind of a new thing. The way to solve that to me is to relegate him to a third safety status where he might still have a skill set where he can be useful. I, I Which is always where he's been the most productive. That's, yeah, he's at least been he's been productive as a third safety. He's yeah. I've always been very happy with his third safety. I don't know if he can do that anymore. Yeah. Honestly, because he looks a step slower. And maybe I'm crazy and way off base, but that's where I see some of the problems have is you've got Tyron Matthew playing deep safety way more. And, and and part of that is like, you know, you've got a dude that you drafted to do that. And I don't know what's going on with Juan Thornhill at this point. Now he had quite a few more snaps against the Eagles. He played, but like quite a few is still like, what, I think it third? was, I think he played like 30 or 31% of the snaps. I'll, I'll double check so, that. That's quite a bit more than he was, but like this whole third, having him be the third safety thing, it's not working out. Sorensen's playing poorly. Whatever it is that they think they need to do, I would assume it's disciplinary. I assume there's something going on there. Mm. You know, saying publicly he needs to earn it back and like stuff like that. That That's unusual for the Chiefs coaches. But at a certain point, it's also on you to put the best team you have on the field. And Juan Thornhill is their second best safety. He's also their best deep safety and having him. Yeah. Okay. Did he, did he get juked out by, you know, he missed a tackle on Hertz? Sure. But he's also a guy that's made many more good plays in less time than Sorensen has this year. And he also allows you to not play Tyron Matthew 25 yards off the line of scrimmage. And that's where it's a frustrating thing where it just seems bizarre and that maybe explains why the whole defense is disjointed if you've got guys that maybe aren't buying in because they see, and again, this is all speculation, right? I'm not trying to go radio talk show host type thing where I just start randomly speculating. Yeah, those guys are douchebags. I know. No one likes them. But like a certain kind. How about that? Sure. Not yeah, yeah, like yeah. you at all, Josh. Sure, I get it. But to me, some of the the body language, some of the stuff you see from the defense, it looks weird and so- different. Sorry, I was there real quick. I, th- I thought you were rapping there. The Thornhill played almost all the snaps whenever Matthew wasn't playing in week one and then dipped against Baltimore and the Chargers. He played, I think it was 41%, 44% mm-hmm. um, against the Eagles. So a season high, or not counting week one, I guess, for Thornhill. Still not so enough, obviously. Him, maybe yeah. they're working him back in. But the, at but the he played, the day, he, he played almost 100% of the terrible. snaps without, without Matthew out there. It's not like he had in physical limitations one. in week one. Yeah, yeah, it's not a physical thing, right? Uh, can, can I can I share one of the yes. more um, underrated snaps that sort of accentuate the miscommunication yeah. issues? Because mm. I have it bookmarked here. I wanted to double check it, and I'm looking at it here on my phone. Um, it's third and three from the Chiefs' 44 yard line. What so point in the game? We are looking in the second quarter. It's the okay. Chiefs are up 14 10. I know this is kind of like radio play by play, but but like I just want to tell people it's third and three. Jalen Hurst is working from the shotgun. It's a pretty easy look, and I'm saying that 
from my vantage point, this isn't a very complex call. There is no blitz here. This is just, hey, line up, play a man. Um, I've watched it a few times and it appears that way. And so in a weird way, Anthony Hitchens, who you mentioned earlier, Josh, hey, that guy knows everything. He communicates it well. Here's, he's supposed to get everybody in line. And so as the running back is swinging towards the flat on the left side, Anthony Hitchens flows with him. And for whatever reason, he looks to Jalen Hurts. So guess where the ball goes? Right over his head to the running back. And instead of it being a harder read for Jalen Hurts on a third and three, ball's got to get out. It now becomes a 14-yard a fourteen yard gain when I feel like the defense didn't do its job. And part of that is because that wasn't even the miscommunication before the snap. That is miscommunication during the snap. Um, and if Anthony Hitchens thinks there's somebody in the flat, there is nobody in the flat. That is you, man. Like, so it's, it is so bizarre for this defense to be performing this poorly. But I, I just think that's a – people can – now that I've referenced it, people can go back and look if they've DVR'd it, if they have game pass. But, I mean – I don't know what Steve Spagnuolo is supposed to do there, guys. Hmm. Right? Because yeah, because the the, when, when, the running backs the running back swinging to the flat that sh- that show guy, but he looks right. up, but he stops he stops moving, and turns his body towards the pocket, and then Hurst goes, "Oh well, that's easy." Right. So it's just like, what what was that? And I remember watching it both live, and then you know, obviously wanted to go back and look at it, and make sure I. I knew exactly where it was in the game, but just being like, I don't, I don't know. So here's, here's the, here's an early solution kids. And y'all not going to like this. Um, it might work because of the quarterback of the opposing team this, this coming Sunday. I would just, I would just be like, look, coach, um, we've all, we've all had this discussion for the last, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes. Uh, Let's blitz like we got no, no, no forecast for tomorrow. <laughs> I mean, let's blitz like our lives honestly don't depend on it, but they kind of do. Mm-hmm. So the Chiefs at least got Jalen Hurts to be somewhat rattled or they sped him up, um, particularly in the second half. Uh, Mike Danny got a sack. And yes, ladies and gentlemen, when it when it's bad, it goes real bad. And what I mean by that is Spagnolo drew up his best blitz at the end of the first half. And Legereus Sneed comes wide open through mm-hmm. the gap. Uh, does the smart thing, strips the ball, removes the ball from Jalen Hurts. Oh. <laughs> oh. Again, again, this is not a scheme related issue. Oh. I would just, I would tell Spagnolo, your best plays right now over the last two to three weeks have kind of come when you've been out here blitzing. <laughs> now you right. can't blitz every down, but you could, <laughs> but you, yeah. you might yeah. think about yeah. it. There's not a law against <laughs> it's it. Not, you, so, so luxurious need who is very good at blitzing. 
Uh, by the way, Dan Sorensen, kind of the only thing that he's done well so far is when he blitzes. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. Removes the ball, ball's out there, and then and then and Chris Jones, athletic freak, just wow. And not so, known for his hands. So for for a perception standpoint, I just want people to know, like, if he picks up that ball, and let's say he has a convoy, because he does towards the end zone then the Chiefs defense will have actually done something positive. Yeah. Yes, you can mention that, and Andy Reid said this today, uh, hey, y'all, game moving kind of fast for the coaches too, y'all. So uh, Ben Neiman, you know, as much as we all may dismerge him, did force a fumble that the Eagles quickly got to the ball, ran another play, it ended up being a touchdown. Uh, I believe it was a touchdown. But anyway, yeah, like, play was touchdown. all this is to say is that they should blitz it removes some form of communication issues. <laughs> At least that's the way it looks on tape. And they know we know they have players effectively who can do it. And this defense, kind of like 2018, is really dependent on turnovers. Mm-hmm. Like, if they don't get turnovers, they're not, you know. Oh, oh by the way, can we also acknowledge, too, that... Uh, Urch dropped a ball in the end zone. Gainwell dropped a ball in the end zone. Um, and so, yes, Andy's right that they performed better in the red zone. But that was also helped by the Eagles' own mistakes. Speaking of, real quick, if I could just, you know what, real quick, everybody. Hey, Nick Sirianni, who do you think you are? <laughs> because last I checked... You are the one in two Philadelphia Eagles who are now the one in three Philadelphia Eagles going up against Patrick Mahomes' football team. And mm-hmm. you open the game with a 29-yard field goal on fourth, and I think it was three. Then later end up kicking a 25-yard field goal. I think that one was fourth and seven. And then you end up kicking a 31-yard field goal. I believe that one would have been even closer if it wasn't for some sort of illegal thing that, that the Eagles ended up getting penalized for. The Eagles gave the Chiefs three gifts because they had no issue getting to that point. And then all of a sudden on fourth down, Nick Sirianni completely forgets how easy it was to get to that point. And I I think this is a pretty good barometer on this issue of figure out what the other team wants you to do and then do the opposite. I would have been mortified on all three of those fourth downs. (laughs) And because if they convert two of them, this game is really close at least into the fourth quarter. At least, I mean, it, it was close into the fourth quarter. The the second Tyreek Hill touchdown was whenever it became a double-digit lead there. Uh, the, the Eagles had actually shortened it back up again with another touchdown drive. This game looks totally different with just some very obvious go-for-it situations taking into account the fact that you're the Eagles and they have Patrick Mahomes. I was stunned. In the first one, he called the timeout. They called the timeout because the play clock was running down, and then they kicked it. That is, like, this is going to sound dramatic. That is a fireable offense in terms of game management. Just take the penalty and kick the field goal if you're a coward, or go for it and call the timeout if you want to get your best play lined up, if you want to actually try to win this football game. And he did the worst thing twice. Um, ah! let, let's not forget that um, Brandon Staley kind of gave them a blueprint. Because they went for it. You gotta, like, you gotta like, let the, it hang in these games. You have no choice. The Bills might not need to. Everybody else does. The Bills <laughs> probably do too. 
Well, well, and the Bills should learn from, I don't know, we're kind of getting ahead of it, but the Bills should learn from their AFC championship experience where, similar to the Eagles, got into the red zone and then was like, we'll just take the three. It's just so silly because I just made a very loud noise, unpleasant noise on my microphone. Sorry, hey, while you do that, I'm watching Chris Jones try to pick up a football that <sighs> is just, just you know not, what? Whenever the ball, happening. whenever the ball hit his hands, it actually made this sound. That's just my <laughs> springs on my on my mic arm. It's just it, it is so ridiculous to not in oh. that situation. And, like, and, ugh, and by the way, the uh, defense was playing terrible. People may forget this. If Chris Jones actually recovers the football, because he never does, uh, he lets he lets an Eagles offensive lineman recover it. Uh, if they recover it, Harrison Bucker can attempt a field goal yeah. to, in, to in the first half to increase the Chiefs' twenty-one uh, to thirteen lead at the time. If he falls um, on it, it's three. If he picks it up, it's seven. In all likelihood. Yeah. So again, when it's bad, it's real bad. Woo. Seth, did you have something else defensively? It sounded like you wanted to say, and then I remembered I needed to talk to Nick Sirianni really quick. I know he listens, um, and then we should probably wrap things up here. No, that's. I think you covered it pretty well. I, I'm curious what they look like uh, against the Bills. Yeah, there's a lot of hype about the Bills right now, which reminds me of you know a certain game last year where around this time the Bills were you know beating up everyone and the Chiefs weren't, and so well you know. What are they going to do? And then the Chiefs won that game fairly easily. Mm-hmm. So we'll 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 definitely see the AFC Championship. It was a similar thing, you know. The East, the 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 Bills were the hot team that no one wanted to play, and you know the Chiefs weren't, et cetera. And the Chiefs won that game pretty easily. So I guess uh, to to paraphrase or actually to directly quote uh, uh, Patrick Mahomes, I'll see it when I believe it. <laughs> um, but the defense. I, it feels like all, not it's they are not like with the offense where it's like the offense is a few self-inflicted wounds from being on like a genuinely historic pace. They already kind of are actually, mm-hmm. but like we're talking even more so to where they'd be like the story of the league right now. Self-inflicted wounds because you take away those they're probably undefeated and they are now averaging like 40 a game, right? Mm-hmm. The defense is not a few mistakes away from that. They are, however, dumb. They're they're not too many just really self-inflicted mistakes from being like back to what we've gotten used to the last few years where it's, you know, more or less adequate. And that's what I, I think I just keep waiting to see it. Does that make sense? Because it's just so weird to see how inadequate they've been and how poor they've been at stuff they've been good at under Spagnolo. And it is interesting to me. I didn't know that Mike Dana has been like the guy they keep yeah. sending. Because that tells me that Tyron Matthew and Chris Jones are like, no thanks. Well, Seth, you have solved the puzzle. <laughs> and your prize. <laughs> hey, young, hey, youngin, go out there and uh, tell them that we're trying hard. Yeah. Which, yeah. which they are. Which they are. Not disagreeing with that. or, like, But, you know, a youngin. Go on out there and uh, represent us. <laughs>
Well, uh, on that note, if you want to read the story we've referred to from uh, Seth, you can do that at mnchiefsfan.substack.com or bit.ly slash Seth really hates money. Uh, and Nate had a great postgame story up on The Athletic. You can go check that out, of course, at theathletic.com. You can also follow all three of us on Twitter at by Nate Taylor. That's Nate at real MN Chiefs fan. That's Seth. And I am at JB Briscoe. We're going to actually have two shows this week, guys. We did it. We did a Monday show. And we'll do one later in the week as well to actually preview uh, Chiefs Bills a little bit. I'm really interested to hear from from Spags this week on Thursday. And so we'll definitely do it sometime after the coordinator pressers and see what we can bring to the table from that. And uh, if you like this podcast, tell another Chiefs fan about it and uh, see if we can continue to, to grow this show as we continue to roll on over the course of this season. I think that does it, though, for everything we needed to say. So, uh, Nate, I'll let you uh, wrap up this episode. Ah, yes. You know, as Josh mentioned earlier, the weather is a-changing. Um, and I just want to remind our loved ones, our devoted listeners, whoever that love, that, that significant other is in your life, whoever you're fond of, passionate about, and want to display that, look at that person. The way Mike Tomlin looked at Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> and look at that person the way Aaron Rodgers looked at Mike Tomlin. Look, you you know, there's a saying that you got to date your wife. You got to date your significant other and make sure that you give them those looks. Because, hey, hey, time out, time out. I see what you're doing. <laughs> I see what you're doing. Oh, you see what I'm doing? Oh, yeah, I see what you're doing. Oh, yeah. It was honestly the greatest, the greatest moment of this NFL weekend. Can I get that laugh from you one more time? Let that be the last sound on the show. 